Alrighty, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Modcast. I'm your host, Chris Perry, with your co-host, Tyler Bedson. Tyler, what kind of animal do you feel like today? You know, you put me on the spot today with this one because I normally do my little research. So I'm going to go off the, off the wall here today and I'm going to say I feel like a camel. <laughs> Why do you feel like a camel? Because I have drank quite a bit of water today. Ooh, a hydrated king. We are so proud. I want to tell people, like, I, I preach drinking a lot of water, but truthfully, I suck at it too, guys. Me too. Like, it is one of the things where I'm like, you know, if I if I know it's for competition purposes, I can get it in. Like, you know, I can get my two gallons in a day. But if it's like off season and I'm working all day or talking to people, I suck at drinking water. But today I've been pretty good at it. And it's crazy how much better you feel when you actually just do it. Dude, same. Honestly, I don't feel like a camel, but I have been doing better about hydration today as I'm also somebody who's not great at it. Um, whenever I'm busy and stressed, which is most of the time, it's the one thing I forget to do. I just forget to grab the gallon jug that's sitting directly beside me and chug, you know. But today we've already had three quarters of a gallon and I've peed 47 times and I feel so much better. Um, yeah. I've noticed also the when I'm not hydrated well, my skin always looks so much worse, and my face is always puffier. So it's one of those things. Water is a cure-all for a lot of different things that we tend to deem as issues. So drink your water. We love a hydrated king and queen. Yes. This uh, is brought to you by water. This is brought to you by water. It just came out recently. just dropped. You know, check it out. Um, I I feel like a busy bee today. Um been pretty fortunate. I've had a lot of signups this past weekend for coaching, which is super cool. I've got a lot of cool people that I'm excited to work with. I've got a second lieutenant who is about to go to ranger school that I'm getting ready for, which is super dope. Um, so I'm working very frantically to to keep up with everything, which I, I truthfully love this chapter of life and being this busy and being this chaotic and stressed. Truthfully, I operate better that way. So I'm the same way. If I don't have a ton of things to do, then I always feel like I'm like failing, Yep. which is, I guess, a good quality and a bad quality. But, you know, I always enjoy helping people and making sure that I. What just happened? What just to happened? get your guidance? Yeah. Yeah. You kind of sorry, you just cut out a little bit, but I think it was my fault. Um, but it's a it's a double edged sword is what I've found for me, like. I have to stay unbelievably like I have to have an immense to-do list every day and I have to try to get it all done or I feel like a failure. Like if I get done with my day early, I'm like, what in the, what do I do? Like I'll just, then I'll just start making new lists. For people that don't know, I always have like a, I have a cross off list that I do every day. So like basically whenever I start my cardio for the day, I normally start my list and then I do my list more while I eat breakfast and then I start getting to work. But my list will include, you know, everybody I need to check in with or everybody's checking in and who I need to update, the phone calls I have to do, the plans I have to make, uh, the bills I have to pay, the the other stuff I have to do, like post on social media or do things like that. And I, those lists really help me to get things done, but I never finish my list ever. I, I've, I finished my list, um, for the first time, like last week, and I finished it at 3 p.m. and I didn't know what to do. But I'm the same way. What I do is um, I will have a 
so I've got a lot of to-do lists because I'm a very scatterbrained person and, and a lot of my athletes know that. Um, so I will, I have a massive whiteboard on my wall where I will keep like a weekly projection of major tasks that have to be done within the week. And then I will like bills and just like bigger projects, whatever it may be. And just like major purchases that I need to make it, it a lengthy list. Right. And then I'll take those and organize them by priority and necessity, and I will make my daily to-do list. So I'll do, basically, I'll have my my check-in to-do list of all my athletes checking in with me that day, what plans I need to write, phone calls I need to make, and then a couple of those big weekly tasks. And I just try to, like, separate it that way to where I just work through it as quickly as I can. And then, obviously, like, my daily chores and errands and stuff like that, too, kind of gets mixed in there as I go. But I try to diversify it, and I'll basically, like, split up my day into three segments, and I'll have, like... My coaching segment, my like Aaron chore segment, and then like any big tasks later in the day. But what's interesting, I read a book about time management because obviously it's something I've had to work on very heavily as a coach and trying to do this and the clothing brand and everything else. Procrastination is actually a good thing. So I, I was reading about it and I read a couple studies and understanding it from these psychologists that procrastination is actually a sign that your brain is logically... Uh, triaging what's actually necessary to be done in that moment. Hmm. So what tends to not be the most important, your brain goes, no, you don't need to do that yet. And that's why you procrastinate doing it because it's not needed to be done right that second. So it can actually be a good thing to procrastinate because it means that it's not as important as the other things in your life. See, I just blame everything on ADHD, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll be I'll go between like emailing somebody to sending a text message to, you know, answering somebody on Instagram to, you know, doing a phone call all within like a 20 minute period. And then all of a sudden I find myself on like Instagram reels and I'm like, oh shit, and draw myself back out and go back to normal. So I actually operate better that way though. Like the days that I do like the anonymous Q and A's and I get 80 questions, like I do better because I'll just like I'll be typing up a plan and then I'll see that I got a question, answer it back. And I just go back and forth, but it keeps me engaged in two things at once. I can't just stay engaged in one thing at a time. I don't see how you do the uh, the anonymous questionnaires, man. I feel like it's uh, a pathway for like internet warriors to just like say stupid shit that they wouldn't say to somebody in person. Oh, yeah, dude. And I, I made a rule. I answer all my questions. And so people will talk. There's one person in particular, and whoever you are, I hope you listen to these, but who shit talks my placing at Junior Nationals and just shit talks me in general and asks me really weird questions about one of my old clients, Nathan. And it's just like the same person every single time. And I answer all of them. But like, usually they're pretty funny. But what's interesting is like a lot of them are just like fitness questions. And I'm like, you yeah. can just ask me these. Like these don't have to be like, you know what I mean? Like hit me up. You know what I mean? But I love the ones where it's like, we should hang out sometime. And I'm like, this is anonymous. I have no idea who you are. Yeah. Like I can't even, I can't know. That's probably not. Well, the the ones I've seen that I think are hilarious that people ask are like, what do you think about my physique? Or we should like, when can we train together? And it's like, I have no idea how to fucking respond to you. Yeah. So. Well, I had like, and this kind of goes back to our last podcast episode, but this, this girl messaged me and she was, or did a cute question. Well, I only know it was a girl because she said she was a girl, but she was like, I'm, I'm thinking about doing bikini and figure. What are your thoughts? And I'm like, I would have to see your physique, but I don't think so because the muscularity is so much more different. Um, but like, it's just, it's silly, dude. I do it every Saturday just because it keeps me. Saturday tends to be one of my slower days with like I don't have many check-ins um, and I don't have any athletes competing yet that's later this fall. 
So it just kind of gives me something to do while I write new plans and do all my consultation calls and stuff on those days. Oh yeah. Um, on, the, on the topic randomly, uh, did you see that our five, our, our one star review randomly turned into a five star review? <laughs> we, we, we won them back. Uh, I was quite, I was so confused about that. So we were talking so bad about that one star review last week, like whoever left it. And then it was like, I woke up one day and I was like, looking, I was like, Oh, it's gone. It's and gone. it's a five star review now. So to whoever that was, you know, maybe you just listen to a different episode and you're like, Oh, never mind. They're okay now. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. So we're up to we're up to eighteen five star ratings on Apple Podcasts, and then we are up to let me see, uh, I believe ninety one on yes ninety one five star reviews on Spotify, which is really cool. Um, we actually I actually looked today at the analytics of our listeners, and we have listeners literally worldwide at this point, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, um, which so. is awesome. Yeah, we, we did not expect this this much growth this quickly, but we do appreciate you guys. So, in return, we've got a really good episode today about some great stories. Yeah, we're going to talk about some some of our experiences um, in our extremisms in prep and off-season. I obviously want to preface this by don't do these things, right? Like, don't – we are not telling you these stories to say you should do anything that we're going to talk about. Uh, as they are probably going to be very ridiculous, but we want to share them because they're funny. And so you can kind of hear the worst of the worst in certain cases and hopefully avoid doing it. So Tyler, do you want to start? Yeah, I can start uh, with with kind of my own story. Um, so with prep, of course, any prep you go through is going to be different. Uh, and eventually it's going to get hard, you know, um, a lot of people will tell me like, the I'd say, you know, the 12 to six weeks out part, you know, you normally feel pretty good. You're in a good headspace. And then it kind of hits you like a truck. Um, so I remember my first prep ever was back in 2015. And I was in school at the University of Kentucky. And I remember I was about four weeks out and I felt like trash. Like I'm talking I was the last one to get up at the end of class, like everybody would leave and it would take me like two or three minutes to pack up my stuff and have the energy to stand up and walk. Well, I remember I had classes at the Seton building, which is like the fitness building where like, you know, I would learn all about exercise science type, like topics. And then I had classes at the biology building and the chemistry building, which were across campus. And I remember I had this one class in the biology building and it was like, after my workout like i would do my training at like noon and then after that i would eat my post-workout meal and then i would walk across to the biology building so there was one particular day that was like extremely hard in prep and i remember this is probably one of the hardest days i had mm -hmm. and i was walking to the biology building which is maybe like half a mile it's not super far but you know in prep it is and you're like your legs are heavy you, you feel like trash, like I could barely move. So I got about halfway there and I was like, man, I, I don't think I can make it. So I sat on a bench and I sat there for a good hour and a half, skipped this class. And I, until my next meal came along, I ate my next meal that got me enough courage to get to the nearest bus stop that took me to my truck and I drove home. And I immediately dropped that biology class. 
And I was like, I can't do it, man. I remember I was doing like 18 hours and I was like, I can, you know, I can drop this three hour biology class. This, I'll just take this next semester. But I was like, oh, hell no. I was like, I'm not going to be able to walk this this route four times a week for the next four weeks and do well at the show. So I remember that was my first real time experiencing what prep really felt like. Yeah, I um, I think my so my first prep, I so this is a good point that I want to bring up too, man. I think the first time you go through a prep is both the best and worst prep you'll ever go through. It's because for the same reason you have never experienced it, so you don't know how bad it is. But also looking back, I realize how insane I was for my first prep, like comparatively speaking. But I had a, a an experience where like I'd saved up a bunch of PTO and vacation and sick days leading up to my show. And so the last six weeks of this prep, we did no carbs and no fats for six weeks straight to try to get me in shape because I have a very stubborn, fat, chubby body. And by the end of it, it got so bad, I literally called my boss and I was like, what are the odds that I can take 21 days of vacation PTO and sick days in a row <laughs> before my prep. And he was like, I will do all that I can to see what we can do, but you might lose your job. And I said, that's okay. I don't know that I can do this right now. And so that's what I did, dude. I took 21 days of PTO and vacation leading up to my first show. And basically like I had enough energy to get through my fasted cardio and then I'd go home and fall asleep and then I'd get up I'd eat a meal and go back to bed. And I just basically tried to, it felt like I had the flu for three weeks, basically. But it was also because I was taking Pramipraxalone and I didn't know how bad that was for you. And it was just nuking my entire body. So Yeah. There, there, there's, there's times in prep where I was just like, I don't know if I can do this, like for multiple things that I normally would doing. Like I remember at one point I was working at a, uh, at the smoothie shop. It's like I worked at a supplement smoothie shop. And there was a desk I would sit at, and you know, I would I would sit there most of the days. And um, there was one point there that I had a buddy that I knew real close to me that like would come in and hang out with me, and I I taught him how to make the smoothies <laughs> because I couldn't stand up. Yeah, it gets to <laughs> that point, uh, man. I was like so messed up that I mean, like I was like I could barely move. I was moving like you know half speed, and uh. So I remember I taught him how to make the smoothies and he'd hang out there with me from like my, my five to nine shift during that time. Mm -hmm. And he would make the smoothies and I would just like sell supplements and like sit at the counter. And honestly, I I probably wouldn't have made it through that prep without him. That's what's wild. Yeah. But uh, it, it's, it's crazy how low of energy you get for me. Like, I don't really care about the food. Like I yeah. can, I can suffer when it comes to food. I don't really care if how glow it gets, but the energy levels kick my ass and it gets to the point where I'm like, wow, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the rest of this day without falling asleep at this desk or, you know, mm -hmm. no, I, for me, like over time, I definitely disassociate from the food. It does take me a little bit longer to de detach from it, but towards the end, I, I really don't care about food anymore. Um, but for me, it's the energy levels and the cognitive function where like, I get so forgetful and stupid, dude. Like I remember what I would do at the end of this prep is I would drive to the gym. I would take my, I would park, I would take my pre-workout and then fall asleep. I would take a nap in the gym parking lot 
And then once the pre-workout kicked in, that's what would wake me up. And I'd go in and work out. I go train, I go home. Do you ever get in that point in prep where you get like prep brain and you misplace things and put them in like really weird uh, locations? Like I remember one time I was cooking and I couldn't find my phone. I put it in the fridge. Oh yeah. Dude, I've put like bags of dry <laughs> rice in the fridge or like the amount of times yeah. I've been walking around like where's my phone and it's in my right hand. You oh, know what dude. I mean? That's like the cognitive function that comes along with like carbohydrates. Yeah. I don't understand how important food is to for cognitive function, like your ability to think and do. So at a certain point, it, it's like a struggle to even speak. Like I remember mm-hmm. like you'll, you'll speak slower, you'll walk slower, and then – Blink slower. Oh, yeah, and it's like people ask you a question, and it takes you like – 20 seconds to really think about what they just said to you before you respond. Mm-hmm. I started <laughs> you get to those points are wild. When we still had refeeds in my meal or in my plan towards the end of prep, I actually planned all of my check-ins for the following day so that I knew I had the energy and cognitive function to get through them efficiently. Yeah. Where I would just do all my check-ins on one day because I knew I was like, because we did refeeds on like Friday, Saturday was my, every athlete checked in with me. I would get through all of them as like, yeah as efficiently as I could because like there were certain days dude like you get done with your cardio and everything and you just go lay on the couch and it literally feels like you got hit by a brick like you're just laying like just laying there is uncomfortable you know what I mean like I remember I got lean enough in my low back I could feel my spine pressing against the car like my seat in my car when I drove anywhere you know what I mean um but it's it's one of those things it's like you still wake up and you still choose to do it every day when you're in it um, but I think the worst for me was just like, especially my first prep, like I said, we, the six weeks out, we pulled the trigger and pulled all carbs and all fats. I was doing trace fats from tilapia and trace carbs from asparagus. I was doing six meals of tilapia and asparagus a day. Um, I remember one time I got home from work and I went to eat my last meal of tilapia and asparagus and I didn't even look when I opened the fridge and I grabbed what I thought was the G Hughes like sauce teriyaki sauce and it was Walden Farms pancake syrup and I'd already poured it on there and I like took a bite and it I enjoyed it and that's when I knew something was wrong (laughs) I was like wait this is actually kind of good you know um but yeah we pulled all carbs and fats at six weeks out and no refeeds we pulled all like caffeine at I think four weeks out and I was just, I was chewing up Benadryl gel capsules to go to bed at night because I like, my insomnia was so bad from certain compounds that I would sleep for like two hours at a time. And then I'd have to like move to the other side of the bed because I'd sweated through the sheets. And that was, that was my first prep. So speaking, one of the weirdest meals I had in prep and probably one of the hardest times I had was, uh, there was this one time I was with my dad and, uh, you know, and prep, I'm all about, I bring all my meals everywhere. Um, one thing to know, if you are a bodybuilder and you leave the house, make sure you always pack one extra meal just in case something happens. At least, yeah. And I remember I was, my phone had broken and I was still in school and I was like 21. So I was still in my parents' cell phone plan. So I had to have my dad come with me to like be able to get a new phone. And uh, so he comes with me and you know how long it takes to get a phone sometimes. Like you're waiting in there for hours and afterwards we get done my dad's like and there was like a smash burger next door and he was like hey do you want to come like eat with me at smash burger and i was like oh i can't eat smash burger but i can you know take my meal in there and you know i'll eat it while you eat 
So I had my meal with me, which was a cold bowl of tilapia. Oh, I know the story. Oh, my God. With rice and some broccoli, right? Okay, so I don't know if anybody's ever cooked tilapia or ate tilapia cold, but it gels into a fish gel. Mm -hmm. And it sits on top of the fish. That was the worst meal I have ever had in my life. I believe it. And I remember I sat there and ate this tilapia cold with my dad while he ate a burger and fry. And that was one of the times where I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Now you have those moments. You're like, why am I doing this, man? Um, what is um, like, what's some of the worst experiences that you can think of from, from off season from being uncomfortably full and big all the time? Oh, dude. Yeah. I've got a good one for this. So I think I talked about this in the past maybe, but. I remember there was a there was a time where I had a buddy in town. His name's Scott Scott Witt. He's a big tall dude, uh, pretty good bodybuilder. He's mm -hmm. friends with a lot of like uh, good bodybuilders in town, and he's gigantic. But he wanted to come in town and train with me from West Virginia, and I was like, sure, man. So he was over at my house, and I was like, hold on, I got to eat this meal. So the meal was like, uh, I think two cups of rice, fifty grams of carbolin, and like eight ounces of chicken, and that was my pre workout meal at the time. So it was like 150 carbs, like 50, 60 grams of protein, low fat. But the carbolin I had was strawberry. I remember that. And I finished this meal and I remember I was drinking down the carbolin with some pills I had to take before training. Mm -hmm. And I drank down these pills with this carbolin. I guess one of them like caught, got caught in the back of my throat. Mm. And I immediately started like feeling nauseous. And I remember I was sitting there talking to Scott and I was like, hold on, man, I got one second. I got to gather myself. Well, I'm sitting there trying to fight off puking and I projectile vomit all over the wall. Oh, God. And I look at Scotty and I'm like, hold on, man, I got to go make another meal real quick. Dude, that that happened to me <laughs> last off season. I didn't realize that you shouldn't take zinc on an empty stomach. Right. And so I would just take it with my morning supplements. And I took it and I made my first meal and I eat my first meal. And at the time it was like, I don't know, it was, it was, you know what, it, it was huge. It was a lot of food and I ate it. And then like right before I left to go to the, this is when I was working at the dog rescue, right before I had to leave, I started like get the pre puke feeling and I was like, oh no. And I just went and threw up all of the pill, everything. Like the pills were still intact and I was like, oh my God. So I literally had to like go and get all my pills together again except for the zinc and then make my meal again and then eat it on the way to work. And I had no earthly desire to do any of that, but I was like, here we fucking go. I guess I'm eating this meal again. You know, it's my, worst, my worst stories in off season always have to do with just trying to put down food in any way possible. For sure. If I, I ran into this issue. Like when I was in project management, like I said, I was working underneath houses all the time. This was winter time. And I literally had my schedule set up to where I was eating a meal and then taking a nap all day, basically, because I would have to be at like, I would go to like six project sites a day is how my schedule was set up. But I lived in Nashville and my territory covered all the way down to Alabama. So at this point, this was before I worked with Tyler and I was kind of running my own diet. On certain days, I was eating like 1,100 grams of carbs, okay? And, but none of them were good. Or a fair majority of them were not good, to be honest with you. So like I would get up in the morning at – I would get up at 3.30 in the morning and I would eat my first meal. And it was like 
50 grams of protein from whey isolate and then 200 grams of carbs, which was basically split between like bagels, honey, and oatmeal. I would eat that. I would start driving down towards Alabama. About two hours down, I would stop at a gas station and I would get a Fairlife protein shake and then a Snickers bar and I would eat that. And once I got to my first job site, before I got there, I would stop at the nearest parking lot and I would take a nap, right? And then I'd go to the job site. I'd work for a little bit. I'd eat my next meal. And then I would take a nap underneath the house so that the homeowner wouldn't know. So I'd sleep underneath these houses. Like I would just like bundle up in this like huge jumpsuit and my beanie and a hoodie. And I would just like literally like lay underneath the house and nap for like 20 minutes. And I would just, repeat, I would repeat that. I would have four meals and two snacks a day. And it was a repeat of every, basically it was like chicken, rice, and bagels, eat, take a nap, wake up, snack, which was a protein shake and a Snickers bar, eat, take a nap. And I did that all because I was just so miserable, but it obviously didn't pay off because I just got really fat. Yeah, that's, that's one thing, man, is like clean foods is what I have to eat to get real big size on me now. And it's like getting up to those areas where I was eating like 10 ounces of chicken per meal was where it really started to kick my ass. So I remember I started uh, blending that up. I think you were there one time when I started doing that. Um, yeah, but I would literally take, you know, 10 ounces of shredded chicken. I would put that in with some water and some chicken broth mm-hmm. and I would blend it up and I would drink it. Yeah. And it was that was how to I had to get my food down, which, which wasn't how I'd want to, but if I was trying to eat, you know, 10 ounces of chicken in one sitting, it'd take me like an hour and a half. Yeah. And by the time I finished it, you know, I got to eat again in an hour. Mm-hmm. So that was easier for me. And I remember it's funny cause I remember I was doing that. And, you know, some people agreed with it and they're like, oh, yeah, I've had to do that before. And then I remember it was like one like holistic nutrition coach. Basically, it was like, if you have to blend up your chicken and it's not good and your body's not doing I'm like, body's not going to digest. I'm like, my digestion is much better doing this. It's literally blended up and broken down already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's going to and I, and I hate when in any of this, like we obviously all fall into our camps, but like when it comes to cooked food the bioavailability is already like is is there you know what i mean like it is not changing more depending like using that argument would be like okay so if this blended chicken isn't bioavailable now does that mean i have to just like how how much should i chew my food right like what if i chew my food too much is it not it's the same concept it's like it's a null argument of like your body's going to absorb what it can from that and the off season we're already not really going to be able to absorb all that we're throwing at it, but we're trying to throw so much of it that we can absorb as much as we can as it is. So in foods at that point, anyways, it's not going to make a difference in my opinion. Like if anything is probably is better that you can get it down because you at least have enough time to let it settle and start digesting before you throw another meal on top of it. You know, I think, uh, one thing we should talk about too, is like, uh, experiences I've had with clients during Mm -hmm. prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I've had some people I prepped, like, I won't mention any names, uh, but it's, it's stuff where I'm just like, I could write a book about some of these things, man. And, you know, th- there's some things where I'm just like, how the hell did that happen? And how did they win the show? Like one of the ones that can come to my mind is I, I had a guy and he still works with me. We're actually pretty good friends. I won't mention his name cause that'd be unfair. He, he might even tell the people this story himself, but I remember I was driving to go to this show, right? And I had multiple people competing in it and I was taking a nap on the way up there. And I remember I got a phone call and of course, like I answer the phone and it's, 
a recording from somebody in the county jail. And so I'm like, I accept it. And it's my client that's supposed to be competing. No. <laughs> and he's supposed to be checking in. <laughs> and he's in jail. <laughs> so so I'm like, what the hell happened? And, you know, he's like, I'll explain later. He was like, I just need you to uh, go tell them at the, the check-in booth that I had an emergency and I'll be there later. And it might be a little bit after the check-in time. So I text or call one of my other clients and she's competing. And I'm like, hey, you know, such and such isn't going to be able to be there on time. Can you go ahead and tell them that they're going to be late and see if they'll make an exception for him to arrive late? So luckily they did. So anyway, he he gets out of jail <laughs> at like 8 p.m. or like 7.50. And keep in mind, check-ins are from like 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. And he calls me and I can hear him running. <laughs> like he is like hyperventilating. He's like, I'm on my way there. Just tell him I'll be there soon. Tell him I'll be there soon. I'm on my way there. And I'm like, oh, okay. So goes there. Gets the check-ins, comes to my, my hotel room afterwards, eating a bowl of chicken and rice. Like, nothing ever happened. And I was just, like, in awe of this whole situation. I'm like... Was it a... What... Well, I'm not going to ask specifically what crime it was, but... It was it was, it was was something random. Like, yeah. it, that's, it wasn't anything, like, horrible. It was just kind of like a, a misunderstanding from my from my knowledge. And they ended up, like, taking him into jail for it. But uh, he ended, up, he ended up getting second place the next day. You Strong. know, he didn't do too bad. But I'm like, I always look back and I'm like, he didn't get to eat from like, you know, three o'clock until eight. And yeah. he's been in jail. That's wild. So, so that was one where as a coach, I was just like, what the fuck? Did, what am I doing? What am I? What, this is a crazy job right now. I think um, talking about with me kind of kind of well not even relatively close but just like a weird situation with like peak week and stuff this was my first show um i i actually ended up getting an airbnb like wednesday through sunday because i was like so scared that i had to be up there like in murfreesboro like way early to get ready and my coach at the time like i don't know what his i think he was working third shift or something so he would like send me my meal plan for the day and it would change, but he wouldn't send it until like he got up, which was like 2 p.m. every day. So I would just fast until 2 p.m. every day because I didn't know what to do. And so we're just like, he, I would like wait for his meal plan to show up and he'd send it. And I would try to eat like as many of the meals in the plan as I could, which was I would end up eating like two or three because my stomach capacity was so low. And then like the day of the show, I like got him up at like 4 30 because he told me to and his wife was really mad at me and i was like i do not care like he needs he looked at me for 12 seconds and said okay i want you to eat five gluten-free waffles and two tablespoons of peanut butter and like three slices of turkey bacon and i was like okay no calculation whatsoever <laughs> like there's no thought right off the top of my head this is what i want you to yeah do. he's like you need exactly this so i was like okay so i ate it i and like because it was so early i didn't even like I just microwaved the waffles like I didn't care. So I eat them and he goes back to bed and I go and uh, go to get, he's like, get like four ounces of coffee or something. I was like, all right, cool. So I go get coffee and I get to the venue and like, I'm texting him like, hey, what, what do I need to eat? Like, what do I do? And he's not texting me back. So I call my, one of my best friends, Mike Tony, 
and he lived in Clarksville at the time. And I call him, and this dude is like got me on speakerphone, and he's going 120 miles an hour down the interstate. And he's like, "I'm on the way, dude. Don't worry about it. I'll get you muffins. I got you." Because he's like, he's a prep coach, so he's like hauling cheek from Clarksville, Tennessee to Murfreesboro as fast yeah. as he can. And I just like 20 minutes later, I see this short little man. It's funny that most of the people in my life are short bearded men sprinting at me with these Dunkin' Donut muffins just as fast as he can. And he like looks at me and he's like, eat, eat just the top of this muffin. And I was like, okay, I don't know where these weird quantifiable measurements or arbitrary measurements come from, but he's just like, just eat the top of the muffin. Okay. So I eat, <laughs> eat just the top of the muffin. And then I'm like sitting there waiting and I'm still not hearing back from my coach. And so I like go, finally go backstage. And when I go backstage, they're calling for my class to line up. And I'm like, what the fuck? I haven't even got like a glaze on yet. I haven't put my pin on my trunks. I don't know which side it's supposed to go on. And so someone's like, put it on the right side. So I put it on. Like they throw like glaze on me really quick. It's not even set. And I go, I didn't pump up and I went out there. And then like, obviously we ended up winning it. But then before the night show, I remember my coach like, like after prejudging, he didn't like he went him and his his wife went to go eat. So he just told me he's like, go eat what you ate last night. So I went and got like steak and fries, and then I they went and worked out. So I didn't hear from him again. So I didn't know what to eat before the night show. So I didn't eat anything. I didn't know what to drink. So I didn't drink anything. And um, then I went back and he showed up for finals and he was like, all right, man, I want you to take a scoop of this pump powder and like eat like he had me like four Rice Krispie treats. And I like glanced at my buddy and he was like, don't do that. And I was like, okay. So I just didn't eat anything again and I didn't pump up again. I just went back on stage and ended up winning it. And I was like, and I look back at those circumstances and I was like, none of this made any fucking sense. Uh, it's crazy. Some of the stuff that happens. And um, this, this reminds me of a story uh, back in my, my second prep back in God, 20, 2017. Mm -hmm. I've been working with a coach for two years and I'd done everything they said. And, you know, um, finally came to the week of show. And I remember that week I went from looking pretty good, like a week out to during the peak week that we tried some stuff that was just random. Mm -hmm. And I remember by the end of the week on Friday night before the show, I looked absolutely pregnant. Like yeah. I looked horrible. And I remember I messaged this coach and I was like sending pictures and I was like, man, I can't use the bathroom. I feel horrible. Like I'm so bloated. My digestion sucks. And they didn't respond. Oh my God. And I was like, didn't know what to do. It's like my last meal. They're supposed to tell me what to eat. Didn't respond. And I messaged them the next day. Like I just went to sleep. I was like, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I went to sleep and I remember I woke up the next morning, took pictures. I still looked horrible. Mm. And they all they told me was take a half a diazide. Whoa, yeah, because I don't clear out so, your gut. Yeah, I was like, how this is going to help anything, I don't know. But anyway, so I did that because I just at the time I do do what I'm told, whatever mm -hmm. you know. My 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 key thing to people with as long as you do what your coach tells you, you can blame them if you lose. Yep. Not then it's kind of on you. So anyway. I go ahead and I uh, take that and then it's time to go on stage. I remember I was in the welterweight class and right when welterweight goes on stage and they line us up immediately, the lights go out and they take us all back off stage. Cause like, you know, they can't judge us in the dark. Yeah. So I'm sitting there backstage and, you know, I immediately go to my phone. I text him and I'm like, Hey, like, 
the lights went out. I don't know what to do. I don't know how it's going to be. Is there anything I should do? No response. And, and it was just un, unreal to me, man. And that's that's one thing as a coach where I have learned, like, I am so big on communication and making sure my people are taken care of because I, I want to make sure nobody ever has an experience like I did. For sure. I mean, absolutely. Um, what are some, like, because we always see wild stuff backstage. Like, I've seen people do crazy things. Uh, one that comes to mind, I watched a guy try to carve up with a whole large cheese pizza from Domino's one time. Dude, I saw the same thing at Tricky Jackson Classic, and the guy actually won. That's insane. He was like a men's physique, short, small guy, but he had, like, great shape. But he was literally pumping up with a piece of pizza in his mouth. Please, and, please don't do that, guys. Please. Yeah. I mean, some people can pull that off, and he was one, but I was just like... Well, that's wild. I think the the wildest thing I see is like just people running around nonstop backstage, like hours before they're about to go on. At, at Linda Murray, I watched a guy do an entire full body circuit for probably the hour and a half leading up to him going on stage. I'm like, you're gonna burn off all the the carbs you're using to fill out. Like, there's there's people back there, you know, eating whole giant pixie sticks, taking shots of Fireball you know, eating bananas every hour. Like, it's just like unorthodox stuff where I'm just like, you don't got to do all that. Like I always tell my competitors, I'm like, go back there, keep your sweats or your robe on, put some music on, lay down on the floor and relax. Yeah. Until I tell you otherwise. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, and it is chaotic back there. And I can understand, especially for your first show, it's a little bit of culture shock, but like the more you can relax, the better. Um, I will say like, I like to do a shot before because it calms me down, right? Like, yeah. just, it just keeps me mellow, and that's really the only reason that I do it. I don't really think it's going to dry me out significantly at that point or it's going to change much. Um, another thing I heard, man, when I was backstage at Junior Nationals, I had this guy told me he'd been doing enemas every day for, like, the last three weeks leading up to show. That's unnecessary. That, yeah, yeah. That was, like, it's, one of the most bizarre things I think I've ever heard. But, did he win? No. Okay, see. You know him. Oh, gosh. Well, you'll have to tell me later. I will. But uh, I remember one thing I saw back at Knox Classic when me and Mike Beatty were competing. I, I We still tell a story today because it's ridiculous. But I remember there was this guy going up for, like, not Mr. Knoxville overall or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you could tell this guy didn't really uh, know what he was doing, you know, but he looked pretty good. But he ended up winning the Mr. Knox overall, and they put the helmet on him. And I remember immediately after they put the helmet on him, I guess he got, like, a leg cramp or something. So he, like, ran backstage with his helmet still on and was like, Bananas! Get me bananas, please! <laughs> so, and he's, like, sitting in a chair, and, like, somebody runs up to him with a banana, and he was, like, just, like, chewing down on this banana like as fast as he possibly can like he was gonna die if he didn't eat this banana but me and mike will still be like we'll, we'll mention that remember like remember the banana guy someone definitely took too many lasix is what it sounds like yeah you could tell he didn't drink water for like two days that, that's another thing i'll see people back there it's like so many people have different opinions on water and you know water is not the enemy i don't think you should ever cut it completely you can control it by all means. You know, different people need different amounts of water. I've had some people drink a half gallon of water on stage. I've had some people do, you know, next to none. <laughs> it's really 
based on the person but i mean you'll see people back there and you'll talk to them and they'll be like i haven't drank water since thursday and it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah it's like damn are, man <laughs> are you shuttling any of those carbohydrates anywhere yeah. you and know they get last place they're like flat as can be they can't fill out and it's like yeah it's because you needed some water yeah it's backstage is an interesting place guys i try to have yeah. as much fun as i can and just talk to people and hang out but you'll have people who like think they're going to war and like are super hateful yeah. Backstage is like a zoo, man. It's a mixture of all sorts of like different personalities. It's fun to people watch. Oh, yeah. Like, honestly, as a coach, I love being back there just to like watch some of these people because it's just like I'm I'm, I'm just silently just like shaking my head at some of the stuff. And I'm just like, man, like you don't got to do all that. Like <laughs> that's, how, that's how I make a lot of my friends those backstage. Like I, I became friends with this guy named Dalton Corbett and um, – because, like, I d didn't think my dumbass didn't bring bands with me backstage. And I was like, hey, man, like, can I borrow those? He's like, yeah, for sure. And we just started talking the whole time. We'd go back and forth with bands. And we talked about, like, he also grew up obese. And, like, so to me, it's fun to be backstage. But you see some people back there, and you would think they're about to just fight everybody that comes in their way. They're mad as hell for no reason. Like, they're, like, snarling at the mouth because they're, like, they think that they're going to, they're pissed off about anybody else that might be going against them. I've seen some people just like very rude backstage too, which is a horrible look. Like the judges and the expediters and everybody notice how you're acting up like from the moment you check in. Yeah. Be respectful. And in my opinion, a lot of times you're being judged sometimes the moment you check in, like if you're mm -hmm. a dick to like the, the people that are at check-ins, like expect it to reflect your placing if it's close like and it, like also like those people who are checking you in didn't force you to prep nor like it's not their fault that you feel the way you do but that also shouldn't be taken out on them like it's very simple yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir thank you so much you move on right like yeah it is show day is a stressful strenuous process for literally everybody involved including the staff that's running the show so it's like it takes no extra energy to be polite as far as i'm concerned yeah that's that's the big case like be they're watching to see who's actually a respectful person to like be nice to everybody like this could be a really good community i met some of the nicest people from mm -hmm. it but there's also been some people where i'm like you don't belong in this community you need to get the fuck out well, it's like yeah and it's like do you, okay like if we're looking at it from all perspectives like if they they want the winner of the show to not only be a, a reflection of your division as far as your physique goes but like your reflection of how you carry yourself as a person also reflects that too like yeah that has to be taken into account in certain regards right like if you're a douchebag and an asshole all the time, like during check-ins and backstage and pumping up and tanning, like they're going to recognize that and make note of it. And your, your placing could be reflected of that too. But also yeah. again, like at the end of the day, like when we're backstage, I understand the competitive nature. I get that when I step on stage is when I'm competitive, but like these guys all went through the same thing that I went through. Like, I'm not going to be an asshole backstage because it's not going to change anything. Like, like anything, it's like once we're on stage, that's where things are decided. But again, we're not even like judging one another. We are being judged. Like I'm yeah. just hoping a judge likes me more. You know what I mean? Like at that point, the work's been done. I can't change anything. Yeah, exactly. One one other big thing I wanted to mention before we we close off this one, because I've had people do this to me, man. It's crazy. Do not throw in any random supplement or drug if your coach does not tell you to like, yeah, 
and I've had two instances. This. One time I had a girl randomly take Xanax the night before the show and did not wake up in time, did not eat anything, was falling asleep while she got her makeup done and then lost, like got destroyed and then blamed it on everybody else but herself. Oh, yeah. And I've seen that happen. And then I've had people take random diuretics because somebody else told them to thinking it was going to make them look better. And then they look 10 times worse. Like I've had people take diuretics and, and then tell me about it. And I'm like, well, it's not even worth looking at you anymore. You fucked everything up. Dude, I had a guy, he wasn't even my athlete. I reached out to his coach once he reached out to me. Um, he was like, hey, man, are you going to be in town for the show this weekend? I was like, yeah, man, but I'm not going to be up there until the morning. He's like, okay, man. He's like, I've already taken some Bumex, but I, I think I need to take diazide too. Can you give me like 37 and a half milligrams of it? And I was like, first of all, Jesus, that's so much. But I was like, buddy, have you talked to your coach? He's like, no, nah, man, I'm making this call on my own. And I was like, no, you're not. And I'm not going to get it for you. And I called his coach and I was like, hey, man, because I know his coach well. I was like, hey, man, listen, your your guy hit me up. He's trying to get diazide too. Like I told him not to because he already took Bumex. And he was like, yeah, he's called about 14 people already looking for it. And I told him he just needs to like relax. It was his first show. And I think the guy ended up doing it. And he looked like I saw his pictures that day and how he looked the day of the show. And he ruined his physique with whatever he decided to do that night. Oh, dude. That's the thing, man. Diuretics are kind of like a, you can make yourself 1% better or 50% worse. Yep. And it's often not worth the risk. So I rarely use them at all anymore. Um, you know, even with some of the, the clients that people have seen in mind, they're like absolutely shredded. Majority of the time, I haven't used any diuretics with them. It's just yep. not necessary, especially if you're conditioned. It's not, excuse me. Oh, it's not worth it to swing for the fences, is what we've learned. Um, so yeah, so don't do that and listen to your coach and the day before show, don't don't try to swing for the fences and throw something that hasn't you haven't tried at yourself to see if it works. Like follow the course and also don't be a dick. Don't um, do drugs. Don't do drugs. We all took dare, guys. Remember that. Um yeah. my dare officer would be so proud of me. So on that note, we love and appreciate you guys. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to reach out to either of us on Instagram. If there's any th topics you want us to discuss more or more in depth, please let us know. Um, please leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, not a one-star review, as somebody decided to change that. Um, and be sure to repost us, share us with a friend. I'm really happy how this is going, man. This is really cool. Tyler, yeah. do you have any other tidbits of wisdom for us to finish off on? Uh, make sure to brush your teeth twice a day. Twice a day. And if you wash yourself, make sure that you wash your your ass as well. Yes. I would wash your ass last, but also wash it, yes. Yes, it lasts, of course. Yeah, don't do ass and face. don't know how to brush their teeth or wash their ass, and these are things that we're trying to give you tips on. Yeah, so this is something we go over very heavily in our coaching as well. So if you're interested, yes. please sign up. All righty, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, thank you for listening to the Modcast.